Working Cows Podcast, Episode 192. Welcome to the podcast that gives producers a platform to discuss and share paradigm-challenging practices. Practices that have increased the effectiveness of their operation and the joy that their families have received from this lifestyle. Hey everybody, it's Clay Connery, host of the Working Cows Podcast, here with another episode for you guys, powered by the Global Ag Network, and I'm very excited to be joined today by Elaine Fraze. Elaine is an author and speaker, uh, focusing on issues related to uh, people, relationships, and succession planning. Uh, Before we jump in there though, this episode is brought to you by Performance Beef, and I'd like to give you an opportunity to hear a little bit about how Performance Beef is helping one rancher in particular. How do you manage data for your cattle business? Pen and paper or complicated programs? There's an easier way. Hear how Performance Beef has helped Greg Williams simplify his cattle operation. Before I switched to Performance Beef, it was an absolute circus. It was a cobbled up pen and paper didn't know where I was setting, mess. I know on a day-in, day-out basis what my break-even is, how many cattle I've lost, what my feed cost is. On a daily basis, I know I can print that report page and I know exactly where I'm setting that day. Cattle producers like Greg are saving time and boosting accuracy with performance beef. Are you ready to start? For someone that's on the fence thinking about switching, just pull the trigger. It is a flat-out game-changer to know exactly where you're at. Reduce the guesswork. Search Performance Beef Online to request a demo. All right, so we're going to talk to Elaine today about how do we get the succession planning discussion started. So very excited to dive into this very important topic. Elaine, thanks for joining me today on the Working Cows podcast. Glad to be here. I uh, was bummed to have missed your talk at the Ranching for Generations conference, Ranching for Profits. I think it's every three years they put on a, a conference and, and they had you come in and, and I was previously committed uh, before being uh, being able to be there for the, for the day that you were there. And so I, I wasn't able to make it, but yours was one of the more uh, highly regarded talks of the weekend, which is is saying something given some of the other folks that were there. So uh, really excited to have you on today. And I just wanted to start out with a, a question of why does this topic matter to you? Uh, what What is drawn you into uh, addressing issues of uh, family relationships and succession planning in in farming and ranching? Well, my my calling and my passion, Clay, is to help families uh, find harmony through understanding each other. And I've been drawn into this all my life. I grew up on a mixed farm just outside of Winnipeg, Manitoba. I became an extension county home economist, work with ag families back in the late 70s and 80s. And for many years now, I've been coaching families to come to the table to work out their communication and conflict resolution so that everybody can get what they want and they can create legacy for their business. And the ranching for profit time that we had in Sheridan, Wyoming back in August of 2019 was a fabulous celebration of David Pratt's work with ranching for profit and and his retirement from that. And he wanted to have me kind of wrap wrap things up for him in terms of really put, hitting the message home that um, you really have to discuss the bull in the middle of the room and being clear is kind to figure out what the family mm. really wants and, and how they can work in harmony going forward. <laughs> yeah. Being clear is kind. That's a, that's a good one. I, uh, I think so many times um, we, we hesitate to start those uncomfortable conversations and, you know, the longer we wait, many times the more <laughs> that wound festers and and those things get harder to talk about and more destructive in the relationships. Does that match with your experience? Yes. And I, I just want to give attribution. Being clear is kind is one of Brene Brown's famous sound bites. So we need to give her attribution for that. 
Um, coming to the table, Clay, is a huge, huge issue. And I, I actually have another ranch family that just reached out to me this week that I've yet to get back to. And that's her heart's cry. She says, Elaine, I cannot get my father to the table to talk about these things. And so I want everybody who's listening to this to really give them, themselves some time for self-reflection. How are you coming to the table? Mm. Are you ready to stay calm? Are you ready to be clear about what you need? Do you actually truly know what you need and want? And do you have timelines around that? And can you come with a spirit of respect and curiosity? And can you also put yourself in your, in your parents' shoes? And there's, there's a conflict dynamic profile that I do, Clay, and it's just really important that people understand that conflict is not bad but it has to be resolved. You talked about wounds and festering. You don't want that to happen because the longer you let something fester, the less energy and the less creative solutions there are for resolution. So there is a good reason why we use the saying, nip it in the bud and make quick repair. So that's just really, really important. So first point I wanna ask your listeners to consider is are you coming from curiosity? Are you coming with an expectation of really working hard and staying in tough conversations to create solutions and put yourself in the other person's shoes. Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And that is not a, uh, a conflict-free uh, environment, that process of, of shaving metal off. <laughs> You know, it's a that's a pretty violent illustration, and so there there is there is going to be friction there and and tension. Yeah, and the, the other proverb I quote is from nineteen, where it says, "Hope deferred makes mm. the heart sick." Right, and that's what we have in ranch families and farming families is people have given up that sense of hope. And I'm wired for create uh, empathy and positivity and communication and winning others over. That's the way I, I'm made. And I always think that there's hope, Clay, but I want people to, to also deal with their anger. Um, and anger comes from hurt, fear, and frustration. And a lot of young ranchers are frustrated because they came back to the ranch based on a promise. But a promise is not a contract and a conversation is not a contract. And so it's just really important that people be able to um, come to the table. And, and a lot of people don't want to come by themselves, Clay. They're too afraid that things are just going to blow up. And that's why I'll never be out of work because, you know, as a facilitator, I, I'm okay about sitting in those heavy and hard places, but you need to be too. And so you need to also think about what have you done to fill up your own emotional bank account and how mm. well are you emotionally and mentally to ask for what you need in a respectful way. And so that filling up the emotional bank account, is that kind of uh, about preemptive maintenance that, so that I'm not coming to this conversation empty and, and needing to be filled up by having what I want out of it, you know, be the end result, basically, that I'm not coming right. with that agenda. Right. So we want, when I talk about finding harmony through understanding, um, that's really my sweet spot with working with farm families is because the first thing I do, Clay, and I, I want people to pay attention to how old are you? Me? You know, I, I oh, no, yeah, well, I, I, I can ask you, you can tell me how old you're, yeah. I'll tell you how old I am. I'm, I'm turning 65 in October. And quite often when someone calls asking for help, the first thing I do is a family map. Because I want to know how old is mom? How old is dad? If dad is 80, 80 years old, I'm going, what, what are you thinking? Like you're 80 years old. It's legacy. It's long past legacy time in my books. And if son is 35 and dad is 62, we have a, a, a ripe, ripe conflict brewing. Because son and daughter, whether it's a daughter ranching or a son, either or, when you're in your 40s, early 40s, you want to be in power and control of your destiny. It's time. So if you're 40 and dad is 62 and you own nothing, I, I, it's right in front of me there. And like in 10 minutes, I can say, I can tell you exactly why you're calling me. It's because you haven't made agreements. You haven't created certainly. And there's this concept in coaching clay called the neutral zone. So just pretend you have your stick shift on the ground, on the floor, and your really old pickup. And you're wobbling the stick ship back and forth and you're not going anywhere. It's because you're not in gear. 
And a lot of farm families are not going anywhere because they aren't in gear because they can't get there because they can't even have decent conversations with each other to explore what the other truly needs and wants. Can you, can you talk about that, that family map? Um, you said it's way past legacy time for the guy who's 80 years old. Um, you know, I, I uh, always, I've, I've referenced this a few times, but I went to a succession planning seminar uh, one time and the, the guy that was putting on the seminar, you know, gave this example. He said, you know, dad is, I, I think it was 90 something years old, yeah. sitting nice. at the end of the row while his son is in his, you know, late sixties is out there farming and his dad is flashing the headlights every time he's, the, his son does something he doesn't like. And so the, so the son has to stop farming, get out of the tractor, come to the window of the pickup and, and understand how it should be done when, you know, cause dad is giving these instructions. It's, you know, so there's, there's no, even at 70 years old, he's still waiting to have the reins turned over to him. So, but, but- but I want to stop that story, Clay, because I have a, a hashtag, hashtag healing stories, number mm. four, ag, because we, we don't we don't gain anything by telling those stories. Mm. And then my question is to the 70 year old son driving that tractor. Why did you accept that bad behavior from your father all those years? And so I have a lot of Irish DNA in my background and I'm not going to be um, beating around the bush with you. I'm just going to say really directly. Why did you let that happen mm. for so long? Mm. And, and again, people say, well, because my dad wouldn't let me do this. I said, you always have options. And, and here's my saying, my phrase that pays, you get the behavior that you accept. Mm. And Gary Thomas has written a book that a lot of my friends read this summer called When to Walk Away. Mm. And that's a whole other conversation that's hard for ranch families when they have tried three ways till Sunday to make something work and they just keep coming and butting their head against the wall. And I said, well, you do realize you have other options. You have skills, Mm -hmm. you have your respect and integrity intact. You don't have to stay stuck. And I give you permission. Dr. Henry Cloud, who's a wonderful Christian psychologist, Mm -hmm. also wrote a book called Necessary Endings, What to Do When Things Don't Work Out. So I can just imagine there's there's listeners right now thinking, oh, Elaine's talking about my situation. Well, if I am, you have two choices. You're going to work really hard to change what's not working and make it better. Or you're going to say, I'm done. I'm letting this go. And God is calling me to move towards something that is more wired or more aligned to mm-hmm. what I'm called to be and do. Mm-hmm. And in ranching, Clay, the other thing that's really hard is this whole legacy tradition heritage. The ranch has Mm. been in the family for 120 years or we're 10th generation or sixth or seventh or whatever, right? Yeah, but are you happy? Is this what you truly want? Oh, and secondly, Clay, are you profitable? Mm. And so here's another tough conversation is what is the financial transparency? What is the viability of this ranch? How many families can these cows truly support? And I grew up in a mixed farm. I, I've, I've got barbed wire scars in my left leg. Like I just, I don't want people to stay in situations that they're romantically, sentimentally attached to, which are not paying for groceries or for their future after they turn 75. Thank you for stopping that story, by the way. that That's great. I, I really appreciate that. It is something that we um, we tend to get locked in these unhealthy cycles of just repeating these, you know, spiraling into nothing, I think, as Paul said in Romans 7. And uh, so, you know, we get we get locked in these unhealthy cycles of, of telling these unhealthy stories. So I, I appreciate that. So without the, without the, uh, the, the horror story. Right. Could you lay out a family map, you know? So so here's what you do is you put mom and dad at the top. The squares are men. The circles are women. You join them together if they're married. And then I always ask, who's the oldest child? And you work from oldest child across the page to the right. And if, if they're married, you draw a solid bar. If there's divorce, it's a broken bar. Um, how many children come from that marriage or that union? Or if it's a common law relationship, which again is, is common, um, that's still, a, in my eyes, that's still a union, right? That's still a family unit. And then I, then I ask, well, where is the conflict? 
Well, between the father and the son, what's the nature? Well, because they're they're both very stubborn or they, they blow up and I go, well, you're telling me dad is 62 and you're telling me your dad or dad is 57 and, and your son is, is 28 and they're fighting and they're blowing up. Why aren't they behaving like adults with each other? And again, Clay, it all just comes back to choice, right? Anger is 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 a secondary emotion. Mm. Dr. Dan Allender wrote a book on um, on abused children. I think it called the wounded heart. But I use this metaphor all the time with farm families because anger isn't really what it is. It's about hurt. It's about fear. It's about frustration. So Clay, if you're button heads with your dad, why? Is it? It's likely, I suspect, because as a young rancher, you're frustrated or you're hurt that you were promised something when you came back from college that was 11 years ago and it still hasn't happened. And you're, you're, you're tired of being patient because you have a wife and children and your son and daughters are growing up and you don't even have a plan because you, you're still in an employee relationship rather than being in an ownership relationship. And I have these little circles that I keep in my desk. And one of them is red for the heart, which is the family. And the green one is for the ranch, which is the business that makes money. But these are two very um, intricate systems. And what happens is they get all mushed together. So when I draw that family map, I'm just trying to diagnose or overlay what is truly happening in the family. And then I want to know what about the non-ranch kids what about the daughter in Fargo or the, the dentist in Seattle or, you know, the, the engineer in Calgary, wherever mm-hmm. they're still, they're always going to be part of this family system. So my three key questions around these tough conversations are where's the income stream for everybody on the ranch. So that's, a, this is, this is a helpful way to lay out. So look at the data first. Are you being paid enough? Are your parents getting enough? And in the States, you guys have that extra lovely expense of your medical insurance stuff hanging over you, right? And in Canada, we have very expensive long-term care and critical health issues that have to be addressed as well. The second question is, where are you going to live? Because the ranch typically has a main yard and a holding pen and barns and fences and corrals and infrastructure. And dad says, I'm not going out of here until you take me out with my boots first. And you go, great, dad. That means like when you're 85, we get to remove you from this place. What about the guy who's doing all the calving or the woman who's doing the night checks? Right. And so there's huge tension and no discussion around the fact that you have to find a better place to live or create some kind of place to live. And then the third question, which is where the daughter in Calgary or Seattle or Fargo comes in is How do you want to treat your non-ranch heirs? And that's the other reason, Clay, why older parents are not coming to the table, but they're not willing to confess to their family that they're afraid, they're sad, and they're disappointed because they don't have Mm. the kind of asset value, personal, what I call a personal wealth bubble to distribute that they thought they would have by the time they were 75. And they're stuck and they're humiliated because they are not where they thought they would be. And that's, that's a financial reality that you go to a financial planner and you work it out with a financial planner and say, these are my assets in the ranch. I have very little on the personal side. Help me out here. Hmm. And that would be my home economist degree speaking loud and clear clay because i think money is a form of energy it's something that god has given us to steward and that we always make choices with that earlier on you said that we want to come to the table with creativity um and i don't if it's if it's helpful could you give me the antithesis of that what's the antithesis of coming to the table with creativity is not is not prejudging the solution, Clay, before you've had robust conversations and not mm. making assumptions. So I, can, I get goosebumps telling this story, but my mom and dad called me to the table in July of 1998 because my father and mom had a farm with my, with my brother. And I'm always been farming with my husband in a different farm three hours away. And my other brother is a real estate development office person. And I also have a, a single sister. 
And I was very clear at that meeting. I expect nothing from you, mom and dad, because I understand the finances of your farm and everything will go or a lot of the assets will roll to my farming brother. And my other brother had no need because of his base. And my sister being single would have liked land. And that's what my mother decided to give her was some land. But I had the opportunity at that meeting to be very clear about what I was expecting, which is nothing, which is what I got initially after. But my mother died, Clay, six weeks later Mm. of of an asthma attack, which was an unexpected death. And so why I tell this story is that you may be making assumptions about that girl in Fargo or the guy in Seattle about what they need and want when all of they want, all that they want, if you had the conversation directly and creatively with them is they say, mom and dad, you've worked your butts off on this ranch for over 45 years. It's time for you to enjoy some life and to take care of yourself. And plus your health is breaking down. Use the good years that you have. We don't know how long that is, right? But a lot of people make assumptions that because they have four kids, they have to treat everybody exactly the same. And that's, where is that written? <laughs> and and the, the thesis I use about creativity is fairness is helping each one in the family, parents included, be successful. Mm. So what, what is success, success to me, Clay, is richness towards God and richness in relationship. Mm. I don't need an inheritance of money or land or assets, but ranching families do because they can't afford to buy the land. They can't afford to buy a 500 or 600 head herd. There's very little of that ranch that they can actually pay for, which is why the parents are so stuck because their entire plan was based on being bought out by someone or something. Mm -hmm. And now they're looking up and saying, oh my goodness, this is not good. Plus, we don't even want to talk about all the side swipes to ranching that have happened over the last many decades since 2003 being the big year, right? right. So there's stuff. Um, and, and again, it's people not willing to deal with reality and look at the finances. What are your finances telling you? We're profitable, great, but we also need off-ranch help. I have a ranch family that was looking at being on a reality TV show to inject another $60,000 into the ranch that year. I have other ranch families where one of them goes away and works at other ranches. I have another ranch family where he's a consultant on the side. Um, So there's, you know, and even in my work, Clay, my income has been the operating line for family living for over 20 years. But we have to talk about the numbers. That's part of the creativity. And the other thing is not prejudging the outcome. Maybe you have some recreational property that you're sentimentally attached to, but maybe that's something that you could rent out or lease out or uh, sever off parts of it to to inject some cash to really make things fly. I have no idea. Keeping all the options on the table, not having tunnel vision about what you want. You know, is but but Claire, I also want your listeners to understand is they need to know what they want first, mm. because I have a, a PDF called "What I Want" that people can request just by reaching out to my website. But you have to understand what you want, and and my father wanted eighteen thousand dollars a year income, and nothing more: three meals a day, a warm bed, and an occasional holiday. He had very very small needs. But he chose that and he chose not even to be paid to the highest first tax bracket, which made me angry. But but he wasn't angry because to him it was fine. So you may want something for your parents that they don't want. Hmm. But a lot of times parents don't know what they want. And so that's the first step. And what if mom and dad are like this and they don't want the same thing? That's another way for being stuck, Clay, because if mama and dad do not agree, you're not going anywhere. One of the you know healthy stories I'm aware of is of a, a daughter in in a ranching family is gainfully employed, employed off the ranch, but for her mental health is coming out and helping to fix fence, coming out and helping to move cows, coming out to you know to the ranch, and that's all she wants. She wants that's to- all she wants is access to the ranch. Yep. Yes. And for me, you know, that's me too. You know, mental health for me is building hot wire paddocks for, for cows and sheep. You know, I, I have 
a, a day job where it's it's people, people, people all the time. And so yeah. for me, Mondays are great days to go out and to just be with four-legged ruminants. And, and use your hands. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, yep, it's, it's, it, is, it is good. And you'll never know. You'll never know any of those things unless you start the conversation. Well, and the, the other thing too, Clay, is testing it out. Dad is swearing that he's never leaving the house, right? He's not leaving this ranch. Well, test it out. Go and live somewhere else for two or three weeks or a month and just try it out and see what it feels like. And you might be surprised. And in, and in our, my Hudson Institute training, we call that getting ready. It's learning, networking, and experimenting and trying things out. You're not going to sell the ranch, but you could try things out first and then see if that, if that feels good. I had I had a couple of voicemails I was going to play that uh, I okay. said I was going to play early on. We're 25 minutes in here, but uh, I will play them real quick. And they are kind of just about this idea of getting people to the table. But I'll let you listen with your experienced ears and, and see if you pick up on anything uh, else that we can talk about. So, Hey, Clay, this is Jason Meadows. Um, I'm happy to... That you're having Elaine on the podcast. She is an incredible resource. Uh, my question for her is, as someone myself who is going through succession, but not in a family who is very open to talking about a whole lot, how do you approach that? How do you approach a family who does not want to talk about it, wants to sweep everything under the rug, and um, wanting to be prepared for the inevitable, which, you know, which is a hard thing, I think, when we're talking about succession. How do we want to be prepared for the inevitable of the next generation passing away or, you know, not necessarily passing away, but passing the, passing the farm down? How do we start that conversation with people who are reluctant? Uh, again, love your show, Clay. Love that you have Elaine on and excited and hopefully to hear a response to this question. So let's do, dive right in. Um, parents are very closed and don't want to talk. What, one of the approaches that I, I uh, was his first name, Jason, I think he was. Yep. yep. Jason Meadows. Yep. Host of the Ag State of Mind podcast. So shout out oh, to Jason. Okay. <laughs> yes. Okay. Shout out to him. So, I, uh, my first approach in that case is to write a letter like and print on your computer and, and change the words, make it thoughtful and print it out and hand deliver the letter to the parents. And it's, I call it your letter of intent. And I've written about it in my blogs, the power of a letter. And the reason I want him to do it that way is because it's delivering a message that can't be quickly erased or only heard once. Mm. And, and, I have had many young farmers do this, Clay, because they're in the exact same spot Jason is. And it's to say, my intent is not to cause harm or to upset you, but my intent is to create uh, a life for my family as the next generation on this farm. Unfortunately, because you're unwilling to come to talk to the table to create solutions, I have no idea. And I feel like I'm living on a time bomb and I no longer can live in this high state of anxiety and stress, which is that neutral zone where I'm not going anywhere. These are the things I would like to know. Dear Dad, I would like to know when I will be considered the main manager and what is your plan for helping me learn to be better managing on this farm? I would also like to know what is your plan for the transfer of ownership, not of the entire piece, but of pieces that I can debt service? Because by the way, Dad, I have gone to a lending agency and I, as per Elaine's request, and I'm good for $750,000. So where would you like me to appropriate that towards your and mom's retirement? Do you see what I'm doing, Clay? Mm. You very specifically take action and put literally the bull by the horns and saying, this is what I'm willing to offer. But silence from the parents is actually a form of abuse as per the book, Crucial Conversations by Kelly Patterson and all. Because silent, you can't create solutions with a wall. You have to have conversation. And, and here's my other saying, love does not read minds. And the other thing with Jason, I would be curious to meet his father. I'd love to talk to his father because I suspect his dad has a backstory that he's trying to avert. Either he was treated poorly 
or he's just closed up because he's afraid and he doesn't want to admit to Jason that he has no identity beyond farming. So if you take away my ownership, who am I? Or he's also afraid of loss of wealth because he did go to the financial planner and discovered that he needs at least $40,000 a year draw from the farm to support his next chapter. Or he um, has a mental health problem and, or he has cancer or something. And I, you know, Clay, we have no idea what other people, there's this other saying, be kind to everyone you meet. You have no idea what battles they are facing. Mm. And even in an intimate family, father, son relationship, the father may be hiding things from the son that, that he doesn't want him to discover, but that that's just keeping everybody stuck. Mm. So, and, and again, not to toot my own horn, but a lot of people cannot do this on their own. You know, you can do do-it-yourself sheet mats or do-it-yourself building the garage in a weekend, but do-it-yourself succession transition planning is not a good idea. And here's the other problem. He mentioned, what if dad dies? That's a really real what if. And his mom, does Jason's mom want to be the widow left behind who doesn't really know what's going on? That's not a great place to be either. And I'm also a big proponent of transferring assets with a warm hand and not a cold one because that decreases family conflict because no one can argue that they heard dad say, I am giving Jason this piece of property and this amount of the asset base of this farm and rolling it over to him and his wife because they need this as a critical mass for their business. What else would you people like to know about why I've made certain decisions? Mm-hmm. And then again, being clear is kind. There's no argument because every understa- everyone understands the why behind the decision that's made. So I, I hope that's helpful, but I just... I would encourage him not to accept stonewalling behavior. Yeah. That's done. You're no longer going to accept that behavior. Next question is similar, but um, and and short and sweet and to the point from one of the guys who was in the audience uh, at uh, at the Ranching for Generations conference. So, hey Clay, it's Derek. Question for Elaine: For me, how do you get everyone to the table? So again, let's just review the points. First of all, know what you yourself want know what the timelines are. I also think it would be great if you had a business plan and what your vision would be for the ranch and the farm so that you would be clear as to what you would keep the same, what you'd like to tweak. Know the finances and also know how much debt you yourself are willing to service because we all know that debt is what grows agriculture. And if you think that you can go into agriculture without debt, uh, you're not living in reality, okay? (laughs) And I spent 10 years as a farm debt mediator, Clay. So I just wanted to inject that in there because I'm not, I'm not a finesser with cash flows and projections and balance sheets, but I do understand very clearly long-term intermediate and short-term debt. I also understand that you cannot, you cannot live as a family, as a husband and wife and two kids on less than 50 to 60 or $70,000 us a year. You need income to enjoy being a family and 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 serving your family, right? Mm-hmm. So getting people to the table is you knowing what you want, knowing the finances, knowing your timelines, and then setting a date and time for that to happen. I also recommend having a talking stick, which he's seen as my beanie baby bowl to pass around, a flip chart, um, and, and not having the meeting longer than three hours. I also would recommend it being in a neutral place. So not at mom's kitchen table because people fall into old patterns at the table, uh, you know, doing it in a, in a, in a, in a hotel boardroom or somewhere else, or even in the living room, even just moving it to the living room and sitting in a circle without a table between you is also a good tip. Um, and I'd really, I really probably would also think about facilitation, having an outside trusted advisor, your accountant, um, your consultant, uh, your minister, Clay, there's another job description for you. You can uh, start renting yourself out as a family facilitator, you know, and the other thing I would do too, and I do this with my families is I pray for wisdom at the mm-hmm. beginning of the meeting, because I think everybody has to come in a, in a spirit of respect and, and a spirit of curiosity. 
And and so if if this guy who gave you this voicemail, if he is inviting people to the table at this place, at this state, this is what we're going to talk about. We're, we're not going to solve all of our problems in two hours, but we're going to get started. I also want to know, is he willing to be the driver of this succession journey for the next three years, Clay? Mm. Because I, I've done a succession plan with my in-laws in six months because my father-in-law's brain was shrinking and we had a time health issue we had to, we had to beat. Um, and, you know, my parents' succession uh, happened very quickly as well after my mom died, obviously. But again, that, the meeting that I went to with my parents was at the boardroom of their accounting office. And um, so getting people to the table is you need to get, get some targets in place. Who needs to be there? When is it going to happen? What are we going to discuss? And then how are we going to ensure that we keep taking the next steps? And that's where that person needs to drive that process. Yeah, all that is very good and related to a question I've had written down from before we started today. And that is, could you lay out some realistic goals and expectations for that process? Um, you know, what should be accomplished at the first meeting? How many meetings should it take uh, in general? You know, some of those things. Well, I think the first thing you need to you need to be clear on is what it, what do you cherish and what do you value? And so in our family, in our coaching process, um, we did a personal style indicator to see how we're wired as a farm team. But we also talked about what was important to us, what we value and, and teamwork and integrity and honesty and challenge. And uh, I have a high value for independence, which is why I work off farm and the rest of my farm team works on the farm. So knowing what you value and then knowing what, what the vision is, what, what is the culture of this farm you want to create? And Peter Drucker is a, fa- a famous American management guru said, culture eats strategy for breakfast. <laughs> and I, I turned that into a presentation. So I just want listeners to write down three words if they can write this down or stick this on the sticky side of their mind. It's what do you believe to be true? So believe. Number two is how do you behave? So how are you behaving towards each other? And number three is how do you decide? How are you making decisions? So the three key words are believe, behave, decide. Because if you all believe the same thing that you want to work on this ranch or this farm and you're passionate about agriculture, you're willing to put in the long hours, you're willing to um, show up walking alongside each other and behaving well with each other. But then the third is really key. Are you willing to make decisions together? Mm. And that's where your sad story, Clay, I had to cut you off because that's an exact example where it's autocratic, dictatorial, and thumbs down on the next generation, which is never going to work. I would have run 20 years ago. Mm. And, and so sometimes people can't see that. They, they, they don't understand that that's not healthy and that's not normal. So collaborative decision-making is, is the sweet spot. And so once you've, once you've got your culture glue set, then you say, okay, it's 2021 now. What do we want this ranch to look like in the next three to five years? And I seriously, I know I love Dave Pratt and all his systems and everything, but you know, with the way agriculture is changing, if you can plan out two to three years or five years, I think you're doing well. And then, okay. And then we, then what, what are you wired for? What, what is the job description you want? What do you want to do? What, what enterprise do you want to call your own? And, and, you know, in, in ranching, um, if you had a custom haying operation or you're, you're uh, leasing out other people's cattle or backgrounding other people's cattle, there's, there's no one, correct business structure or model right you do what works for you and maybe you're a ranch that's in a beautiful location like some of the ones i mean i've worked on ranches that have been movie sets and i'm saying to these people don't you have a cabin here that i could just like live in for a month (laughs) you know and be like a visitor a paying visitor so there's all different kinds of things that you can do so so once you get that vision idea then and then you just start start working the numbers how much do you need, Clay, for your family? Elaine, how much do you need for your family? Gramps, what do you guys still need? And and do you have any extended care insurance or Gramps? If something happens to you, what's our plan B? And then you start talking about the what if. And then you look at the daughter-in-law and you say, what are you afraid of? And she looks up and she said, 
I would just like to know if something happens to my husband, is the ranch going to take care of us mm-hmm. who, who are left? And, you know, those are other hard conversations, Clay. Or in the other conversation we didn't ask is, Clay, what are you going to do if your sister gets divorced? And again, you have to have the divorce question because we know Christians are also getting divorced. It's not a, 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 a pass, right? And so our daughter-in-law knows that if our son would divorce her, we would still economically take care of her because we've promised her that. Mm. And in Canada, I'm getting more and more people asking for my prenuptial agreement just to see the wording so that people make marriage contracts before marriage or even if they've been married for 10 years and things are stuck, then the woman is willing to sign a marriage contract to say she's not going to take the ranch down in a hole if there's a divorce. And, and I have an 80-year-old father right now with a, a $20 million farm, Clay, and he was elated, absolutely elated to hear that his daughter-in-law would sign a contract. I said, hey, you know what? It's win-win for everybody because she gets to spend the next 25 years proving that you should have trusted her from the beginning, <laughs> right? And he gets to know that if things do go sideways, the farm's not going to go down. And so everybody gets to win. And it's just like, why are you expecting the worst when we can all work towards the best? Mm. And that's to me what's so freeing about these meetings is, and you say how many, how long it's an ongoing thing, Clay. So in our case, our son has bought one of our businesses, our seed cleaning business. Um, And he has his own corporation and we have a family farm corporation, but now, now we sit and wait for another two to three years for some other tax things to unravel or unfold. And then there's another decision, but, that's the other thing. This is not Roundup. I keep telling farmers, you know, Roundup 10 days, your wild mm. oats need to be gone, right? No. When you get into a transition project with your next generation, it's it's happening until the founders pass. Mm. So it's a journey. And I think if you, if you, it's not a, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon, but it doesn't have to be a bad one. With my parents-in-law, it was six months. But my parents-in-law also gave the non-farming girls a quarter section of land when they were in their 30s. Would you like your father-in-law to come and give you $67,000 next Friday, Clay? (laughs) That would kind of help you out, I'm kind of thinking, right? And then they got to choose what they did with that land. And then they, you know, they chose to sell it back to us. But there's no, there's all kinds of creative ways that you can make everybody feel mm. respected, heard, and loved in this process. Very good. And I got one more, and we can't do justice to this question, but it kind of will help us uh, start that or plant that seed of what happens when there, when a change comes. So I'll play that okay. one. Hi, Clay. Uh, I got a question for Eileen um, and uh, about succession planning. Uh, one question that... Uh, kind of come up a little bit in our family is how do you um, how do you set it up if someone uh, sibling has left the farm but is thinking about possibly coming back the succession plan is kind of already in process um, but another sibling wants to come back and maybe rejoin and uh, I'm just wondering if she has any experience uh, with a situation like that uh, thank yes you. yes what do you do when your brother who went to the oil patch and said he was never coming back <laughs> 10 years later comes back? Well, you have, you have conversations, but what you have to understand is, is delayed compensation, which other people call sweat equity. So for the brother or the daughter who's been there for the last 15 years, um, they're going to be at a different age and stage in the, in the business structure than the one who comes back. And so it's never going to be the same. So you have to accept the fact that their equity or their position in the business is never going to be the same. And please don't try to make it the same just because of their brothers. That is not fair. Then the other, the other piece is what is your structure of your ranch look like? So is it a corporate land, um, ranch? Do you have shares so that there can be a percentage of shares um, or can you have a joint venture? And, and Clay, I'm a big fan of joint ventures. And the reason for that is, is because there are two entities that have a relationship to each other. But when one brother who's older and has been there longer and his son is turning 20 and the other brother who's younger and can't 
relay the fact that he got married later, his kids are younger, they're at different life ages and stages, that at some point in the future, 20 years down the road, they will just very nicely be able to separate if, if need be, right? And I've written tons um, about brothers and I have a new book out called Farm Family Coach Insights. And I, I just realized how many times I've written about brothers not farming well together, especially as they get to that age 55 plus kind of category. The other thing I would say is, is there a best before date or an expiration date? Is that um, if you are thinking of coming back, we'll, we'll let that be an opportunity for the next five years. But if you don't do it within the next five years, I'm sorry, the gate is closed. Mm. And that sounds very harsh, but uh, we did that with our son, actually. We said, you have until you're 27 to figure out if you're coming back to this farm or not, because we need to make certain decisions based on what's called the successor effect. And sometimes um, the hardest thing for a parent to tell a child is no. I am sorry. I, and, and we have this thing called wish fulfillment. I wish I could uh, make all of your dreams come true. But we've looked at the finances and our accountant and our farm ranch consultant have both told us that this ranch is only viable for two families, not three. But if you want to come back here and live here in the extra ranch house, and if you want to help us out on the weekends, that's great. But we won't be paying you a salary and there won't be an opportunity for you to buy into equity unless we give you that opportunity if the finances change. Very good stuff. Um, and I, you know, rather than asking you to to give a list of, of resources and, and things like that where people could go to find creative ideas, uh, I think it's just pretty obvious from this conversation that you're a wealth of information and I so appreciate your your uh, stance on, on praying for wisdom. You know, it's the one of the places where God is described as generous is in James. Uh, it says, if we ask... For wisdom, he will give generously or liberally, depending on the translation. And so um, I, I guess what I would like to do is just give you an opportunity to tell people where they can go to get in touch with you and and start the process of, of discussing these ideas with you as, as a right. coach. So all they have to do is just uh, Google farmfamilycoach.com, mm. which is my website for podcasts because my name's too confusing to spell. Or elainephrase.com, if you know how to spell F-R-O-E-S-E is my last name. I have a farm family toolkit there, Clay, that's free for people to cherry pick off. It's got 19 tools. I've got five books now. One of them's an audio book. Um, they're all ebooks. And I have a, a course called Get Farm Transition Unstuck, which will help people look at how to make their farm emotionally more healthy to have those targ conversations. Um, also on YouTube, if you just Google Elaine Frey's Farm Family Coach, um, the one they want to start with is probably called Far Finding Fairness in Farm Transition, and it's had over 2,000 hits. Because I'm very clear that it's the financial transparency, your attitudes towards money, sharing your intentions, and dealing with resistance and rebellion, and, and, and being clear about everybody's role, that are going to put you on a good path regardless of whether you're talking about fairness or transition or what the next steps need to look like. And, and I, like you, um, I love Jesus and I love God's word and I, I speak it and I say, you do not have because you do not ask. Mm. And why are you coming towards each other in a spirit of fear rather than a spirit of love and respect and curiosity? Mm. And I think that if we could just put into practice the biblical wisdom that we've been given, um, people's hearts' cries will will definitely be answered. So I work with a lot of believing families who are highly conflicted. And, you know, they say, Elaine, what we appreciate so much from you is that you're not afraid to call it as it is. Mm. And I guess that's where God has wired that Irish story making into me. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, no, I, I really appreciate that. I've had so far gotten the opportunity to speak twice as a result of this podcast. And both times I've I've kind of just outlined it in the four pillars of a ranching offer op operation and and what I've learned in those in those areas. Mm -hmm. And then the last one that we cover is people. 
uh, in that those four pillars, and and I've always drawn from biblical wisdom, you know, mm-hmm. in in the people management because I I think there's just a it's it's not necessarily only about people management, obviously, but there is a wealth of information there about how we manage people and and, and how and, how wonderful is it, Clay, to be in a family where every morning you can't wait to get out of bed because you know you're all going to be pulling in the same direction, you all want the same thing, and you're all grateful for the blessing of God in your business and in your family and in your work. And that no matter what happens, you're, you're never, you're never going to be alone and you're, and you're never going to be forsaken. Like you're, Mm. there's always hope. And I I remember right right now I'm watching the wind here and it's, there's corn husks growing, flying across my, my lawn because the cornfield is just south of the yard and it's dry. And, you know, people are already praying for more rain. And in Habakkuk, it says, even though there's no cattle on the hills and there's no grapes on the vine yet, I will still praise God, because he's the one who who provides all. So I really hope your listeners will take to heart what we've talked about today and reach out. I work with families over Zoom. So whether you're in Texas, Utah, or downtown Alberta, we're uh, only a computer click away. So that's, I guess, the good side of what we're going through in the great pause. Sure. Yep. Workingcows.net slash 192. We'll have links to as much of that as I can squeeze into a show notes page, but for sure, uh, farmfamilycoach.com. Is that right? Yep. We'll be up there. So, yep. And uh, yeah, you keep bringing to mind, Job says, though he slay me yet, will I trust him? So uh, very good stuff. I appreciate your time today. Elaine, thank you so much. Thanks, Clay. Be well. Very good stuff there with Elaine. So helpful. Uh, Really encourage you to head over to the show notes page for today, workingcows.net slash 192, and get in touch with Elaine and see how she can serve your family in helping to facilitate these discussions. Uh, As always, we'll see you again real soon uh, with another episode of the Working Cows podcast. We invite you to visit workingcows.net to subscribe to the show via iTunes or Stitcher. You'll also find detailed show notes pages, resources from our guests, and the industry leaders who have influenced them. For more ideas on putting your cows to work for you in a more profitable way, tune in next week.